Genesis chapter 6. one verse and it was said in near to the very beginning it's verse 3 and this is what it says and the Lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years I want to read it again And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Lord, you know the word that you have directed me in today. I need your touch. I need your anointing. God, if I don't have your anointing, I might as well sit down. But Lord, if I stand here today as an ambassador of Christ, my sins are under the blood. I'm ready to proclaim what thus saith the word of the Lord. That will happen if you touch me mentally, emotionally, but most of all spiritually. God, that I may be able to communicate and articulate that which you have directed. May every heart hear, every ear receive those that are that are tuning in right now those that will view this service later this afternoon or later this week holy spirit deal with their heart those that are present in this room god may your spirit work with them minister to them we thank you we praise you we bless you for all good gifts including the presence of your spirit in jesus precious name and the church said Amen. I have a one-word title today, and it's called Conviction. Conviction. I want to help you understand what this statement made from God early in history of mankind really means. The subject of conviction someone may learn the meaning of for the very first time today. And yet there will be many of us that have knowledge of what conviction is. I hope you will gain a greater understanding and appreciation for how God deals with our hearts. The first thing I want to talk about is what is conviction and how does it apply to us. But before we really dive into that, let's settle that we were all created with a conscience. It was part of, our, part of our DNA, part of our creation by the hand of God. And that our conscience within us is that unseen moral standard that has been given to us by our Creator. It was granted to us at our conception. And even though we were all were born into sin, When we entered the world, the Bible teaches us that the knowledge of God, our Creator, motivates the conscience within us so that we all, all 
were born with some sense of wrong versus right being created in the image of the Lord. Let me just say this on the side. It doesn't wash with Scripture that a person was born that way. That is culture. That is not Bible. As we grow up, that conscience is that general standard of conduct within us that is the steering wheel of our lives. And to be clear, according to Romans chapter 1, those created in the world's history, even to this moment, who have never heard the name of Jesus, have never been exposed to the gospel, they are still responsible for the realization of a higher power that we know as Jehovah God, and they are accountable to God for the natural moral laws that we all were created with. Every man, every woman, every young person, every child has a conscience. Having said that, though, conscience can be corrupted because conscience is still in the flesh. So that old saying, let your conscience be your guide, that can fail you. That can get you into trouble because the carnality, carnality of the flesh can deceive your conscience into self-justification and a compromising of your morals that you were created with, especially in the culture we find ourselves living in today. You need to settle in your mind that conviction is not conscious. Conviction is not conscious. Thank God he did not leave us with a created and a potentially corrupted conscious. He gave us conviction, and conviction is a work of the Holy Spirit. I read the words of Jesus in John 16, and listen to what he said. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for, for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And thank God that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Because if Jesus had not spent, sent the Holy Spirit, really and truthfully, would you and I be saved today? No, not when the Spirit of God is what drew us to the Lord. Not when the Spirit of God was present in our regeneration and our new birth. You ask the question there, well, what will the Holy Spirit do? Well, Jesus told us what the Holy Spirit would do. He would do three things. He would convict or reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Convict is the Greek word elegko, which means to confute, to admonish, to convince, to tell a fault, to rebuke, to reprove. Adam Clark writes, the Holy Spirit will reprove. He will demonstrate these matters so clearly as to leave no doubt on the minds of those who are the most simple of heart. Albert Barnes wrote, the Holy Spirit will so apply the truths of God to 
men's own mind to convince them by fair and sufficient argument that they are sinners and cause them to feel this. A.T. Robertson emphatically stated, conviction is preeminently the work of the Holy Spirit and it is the most needed task for our complacent age. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This culture is diluted. The church world is diluted. This world is, I said this a few weeks ago, this world is fast on a fast track to hell and the church has become so accommodating and so compromising and I'm afraid that we are also as a whole circling the drain. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit more than we ever have. I wish somebody would say amen. The Spirit will convict the world of sin. The Spirit will convict the world to live right. The Spirit will convict the world that judgment is in fact coming. That's exactly what Jesus said when he said he would go to heaven, but he would send the Holy Spirit back. You see, we have too much consumer mentality even within the body of Christ. Often we fail to see what God is looking for from us and what God is looking for in us. Let me give you a few examples. We want to be blessed. He wants us to be a blessing. We want to gratify the flesh. He wants to crucify the flesh. We want celebration. He wants contrition. We want to get high. He wants us to bow low. We want to get charged up, but he wants us to be changed. We want to be excited. He wants us to be established. We want to jump high. He wants us to walk straight. Oh, somebody help me here. We want to pass out in the spirit, but oh, he would rather us pass the gospel out to those who have not heard heard. We want to walk on water. He just wants us to give a cold cup of water in the name of Jesus. We want our enemies to burn. He wants our enemies to turn. And I tell you what happens when we, the more we grow in Christ, the more we become like the Lord and God begins to deal with us and the conscience of our flesh gets put down and the conviction of the Holy Spirit becomes preeminent in our lives. Let me break it down further for you today for the for the for the sinner conviction makes you aware of the heavy heavy burden of sin your mind is awakened to the condition of your soul psalms 34 and 8 this applies to the one who is lost that doesn't know jesus it says for my sins are gone over my head as a heavy burden they are too heavy for me you are laden with the miserable condition of a sin-filled life. Many of us know and someone may know uh, here today you feel like your sins are about to take you under. You're weighted down because of the sinful condition. Friend, that may be uh, a little bit of work of your conscience but it's a heavy, heavy work of the Holy Spirit reminding you that you are a sinner that needs a Savior. Not only are you heavy load laden with sin but Secondly, not only do you feel like the sins are piled on, but it makes you miserable with your condition. You feel dirty and you feel wretched. It 
affects every part of you. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 51, and he said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. I don't know how it is for you, how it was for you, but when I was in sin, there was sleeplessness. When I was in sin, there was a lack of peace. When I was in sin, nothing seemed to come together. Life was unfulfilling. I was miserable. I know you sit here today and maybe some of you have said and you think that you believe the world is happy. That is your imagination. It doesn't matter how loaded they are or how poor they are. It doesn't matter how prestigious they are or how unsuccessful they are. I want to tell you something today. The one that's living in sin is, is void and they're restless and they're finding everything they can to fill that void. And that's why they turn to pills and needles and drags and snorts and sexual immorality and drink and pornography and gambling and the list goes on. Someone is here this morning and that applies to you. Someone is watching online and, and you're, you're feeling that this very moment and it is not just the guilt of your decisions but it's the misery of your unfruitful and unfulfilled life that is driving you crazy. Friend, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank God for the third person of the Godhead that comes down and brings a conviction. And then we go from there to the heavy load of sin, miserable condition of the moment, and it leaves you with a pricked conscience. And you begin to ask the question, what can I do? Is there a way out? I must find some relief, some peace. Please, someone help me. I went to Acts chapter 2 this week and I find how sinners feel when they're hearing the word of God and they're dealing with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Peter stood up and the 11 stood with him and he preached and this is what he said. Jesus was approved by God. Then he looked at him and he said, you in your wickedness and cruelty, you slayed him. Oh, but it wasn't you that, that crucified him. It was ultimately part of the plan of God. And let me tell you, he goes on to say, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and made him both Lord and Christ. He's preaching this, and that was the capsule version. He's preaching this. It wasn't a 30-minute sermon. You read the sermon. You can read the whole thing in Acts chapter 2, and it'll take you about five minutes. I tell you, sometimes sometimes we preachers, we get so full of ourselves, and we want to beat something half to death and preach much longer than we should. Peter tells me you don't have to preach a long message as long as you got the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of God is working in the hearts of the people. You know what happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37? The Bible says when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. They were convicted and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? The load is heavy. The sin is miserable. I'm telling you, I'm in a 
prepared way. What can I do to get out of this sin? I'll tell you what you can do. You can call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. You can call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be delivered. I'm telling you, thank God for conviction. Is there anybody else in the house that was grateful for the day that you couldn't take the conviction anymore? You either had to run off in your misery or you had to run into an altar of prayer and get peace and a, a sense of relief. Oh, praise God for the third person of the triune Godhead. That's the reason I'm living for the Lord today. It's because of the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, to review, because I want you to get this. When you're convicted, you're reminded of how heavy your load of sin is. When you're convicted, you're, you're reminded of how miserable your life is. When you're convicted, you're asking the questions, I need a way out. Let me tell you something else about conviction. Conviction reminds you of terror that is coming unless you change. Friend, judgment is coming to this world. The signs of the times are all around us, and every time something takes place, it, it, it reminds us of the end times, and the Holy Spirit is right there to remind us of the judgment that is to come. I went to another place in, in the book of Acts, and it was Acts 24, and Paul, the apostle, was standing before a, a leader by the name of Felix, and this is what he was doing. He was reasoning with him. He was, he was preaching a sermon to an audience of one, and he was reasoning with him about what? About righteousness and how he needed to live right, about temperance and how he needed to have some self-control, and the third thing was he was reasoning with him, telling him that judgment was on the way. Listen to what happened. The Bible says, conviction got all over Felix and he trembled but unfortunately he didn't follow through for the scripture says that he looked at Paul and he answered him and he said go your way for this time when I have a convenient season I will call for you he did exactly with the direction of the Holy Spirit what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do he dealt with them about righteousness. He dealt with them about self-control. And he dealt with them about judgment that was about to come upon his life. I'm going to say a bold statement here. I dare say someone listening to this preacher in person or online is going to hell. I dare say... That someone listening to this preacher is trembling in your heart this very moment. And your answer is not denial. Your answer is delay. You know that you're not ready. But that doesn't stop God's divine time clock from running. And you will say that one day. And one day it will be too late. The danger is not in denial. Lost people, many of them, multitudes of them, they're not in denial. They're just wanting a more convenient season. And as I stand before you today, it grieves my heart that one soul, one soul would perish without Jesus. One soul watching online would lose their life at any moment and go to a devil's hell that was created for the devil and for his angels. The danger is not in denial, but the danger is in delay. Again, 
Conviction tells you of the weight or the burden of your sin. Again, conviction spells your miserable current condition because of sin. Again, conviction leaves you asking, what can I do to change? Conviction tells you judgment is coming if you don't change. Church, we need to pray conviction down on the unbeliever. Conviction is needed. Conviction is necessary. And this morning, this seasoned pastor and longtime believer, I still cry out like the psalmist did in Psalm 51, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I need him every day. I need him every moment of every day. Here's the prayers and the thoughts of a sinner today. I know as a sinner I keep rejecting you Sunday after Sunday, day after day, but I cannot bear the thought of you not nudging my heart with cords of love drawing me to you. Here's the prayers and the thoughts of a 21st century hypocrite. I am playing the game, God. I have many fooled in my family. I have many fooled in my church. I'm going through the motions, though my heart is far from you. Please, Lord, don't give up on me. One day, maybe today, I will break through. No more pretense. I will talk what I walk and walk what I talk, but please don't stop dealing with my heart. Here's the prayers and the thoughts of a Christian. I know as a Christian that there is that one area that I'm struggling with. I keep falling in. I keep repenting over. I know you want me to get complete victory, Spirit of God. Don't stop dealing with my heart. Don't stop crushing me to my needs. I, I need you today. I cannot feel you today. The ceilings are brass. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. And Lord, whatever you do, don't take your spirit from me. I need thee every hour. We should always have a thankful heart. We should always pray and thank God for food and water and gas and health and money and family and children. But what if you had all of that and you had no Holy Spirit conviction? What if you had all of that? I don't know which prayer you would be praying today. But he said clearly in his word many, many, many years ago, some 6,000 years ago, he said, my spirit will not always strive with flesh. I'll not always wrestle with flesh. There won't always be poking and prodding and pricking or pleading. Holy Spirit will not convict eternally. Holy Spirit will not convict perpetually. Hell will be split wide open with souls that waited one day, one hour, one moment too late and grieved away the Spirit of God from their hearts. This September will be 20 years. It was a day of infamy. Most of us in the room can tell you exactly where we were on that morning of September 11th. And maybe this is not the right way to think, but I think it's the sobering way to think. We often hear the heroics and the sacrifices, and I would, I would never diminish that. But also on that day, 
grace and mercy and conviction ended for several hundreds, maybe even thousands of people? Oh, I'm confident that in the World Trade Center and the Pentagon and on the various planes were, were Christian people. I've heard some of the testimonies. But I'm also sure that, that many did not know Christ and their tragic end is nothing compared to their tragic eternity. Conviction ended for many on 9-11 at 8.45 a.m. You just, you just don't know when the conviction ends and the consequences begin. My God, I feel the Spirit. The lies of the devil are deceiving many. Here's the deal. Even in many Christian circles, conscience has replaced conviction. Conscience is of the flesh. Conviction is of the spirit. Conscience can and will be altered. Listen to this. And we're living in these times, and this was the Bible. Now the Spirit, I love the fact that Paul writes, now the Spirit, the one that brings conviction. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, watch this, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their consciences seared with a hot iron. That conscience. <laughs> been in the church all my life, and things we used to deem as reprehensible, they're tolerated and accepted today. I'm probably going to fire somebody up here. I've done that a lot here lately. We have this whole, quote, be the church wave going on. We've gone to praising in our pajamas and in our house huddles, and we've forsaken the fellowship of the believers when the Scripture is very clear that we ought to be going to church even more as the day of the Lord is approaching. Here's an option. Here's a thought. Why don't you try getting back in church, and then you can be the church because you've been to church? That's worth reading again. Why don't you try getting back in church, and then you can be the church because you have been to church? It's not just that. There's so many things, so many things. And even the church culture now is driven more by conscience than it is by conviction. Don't assume that conviction is a given until you breathe your last. That's a powerful statement. You see, there are, there are a few verses in the Bible that every time I read them, Brother Rick, it just it causes sadness to come over my heart. There's just single verses. There's one in Judges that talks about that generation that died and their 
arose another generation that did not know the Lord or his mighty works. That's a sad verse. There's several like that. They're just single little verses. And I came across one that is as, as sobering as they come. It's found in Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. And this is what it says. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. And he dwelt in the land of Nod. The, the name Nod means restlessness or wandering. He left the presence of the Lord and went and dwelt in restlessness and wandering on the east of Eden. There is a lot packed up in that one verse. Cain had pride. He was the firstborn son to Adam and Eve. He offered God second best. He envied his brother Abel. He killed. He killed his brother Abel. But rather than allowing Holy Spirit conviction to melt his heart, he left God's presence. Three things I need you to see right here. Number one, Cain left the Lord. Listen to me. When you constantly reject God's Spirit's conviction, you walk out on your own. You grieve the Spirit of God. The second thing I want you to see is that Cain dwelt in Nod, which means he was a fugitive in a land of wandering and he had no compass and no direction. I'm telling you right now, I do not rely on my conscience to be my guide. I have to have the Holy Spirit every day. Cain left the presence of the Lord and he ended up wandering. And then the, the third thing I want you to see is that Nod was on the east of Eden. Eden represented God's blessings, abundance from above. God's presence was in Eden. God walked with Adam, his father, in Eden. But Nod was a neighboring place to Eden. Picture that, restlessness next to peace. Wandering next to walking with God. Eden bounty next to Nod and its emptiness. Conviction withdrawn next to God's abiding presence. That makes me shudder. One having Eden's blessings, but another having Nod's curses because they have rejected God's Spirit and there is no more chance for them. Will you take that risk yet again? I got plenty of time. I'm young. You been to the cemetery lately? Have you read the obituaries lately? Have you seen the age of the teenagers and the young adults? Will you take that risk again with God's conviction? I don't know. I, I guess I could argue and say this is backed up by Scripture. 
I know there'll be no more sorrows in heaven. Every sorrow will be wiped away. Every tear will be dried up. I won't miss, I won't remember those of the unrighteous that went to hell. They will be completely wiped from my eternal, immortal mind. And I guarantee you, I won't see the suffering that's going on for eternity in hell. But I wonder if the flip is true. Have you ever wondered if it's possible that somehow God could create some kind of one-way mirror where all of those suffering and darkness and eternal torment could look up and see the righteous enjoying the goodness of God. My Lord, I sense his spirit. The Bible says the rich man, when he died, in hell he lifted up his eyes. And he saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Conviction. Good old-fashioned conviction. My mama and my daddy prayed it down on me. As a teenager, as a young boy, as a young adult. Thank God they did. Some of you right here have sons and daughters that are sitting at home and it hadn't even turned noon and they've turned the bottle up already. Don't give up on them. Their conscience is not going to guide them. But you keep praying God's conviction down upon them. You keep praying God's spirit down upon them. You keep holding on to the promise that God's going to save them. And you know how it's going to happen? Because a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction. That's what's going to get them one day. It's going to get them through a song. It's going to get them through a sermon. There's going to be a co-worker. I got lost loved ones, and, and I'm telling you, if I tried to reason with them, they'd shut me down and shut me off. But you know what? Because I'm praying for your lost children, I believe God's hearing my prayer, and God's going to send someone to minister to my lost family. Because we need conviction. Would you close your eyes? Please be very reverent right here. Please be very reverent right here. I know what I beg God for this morning. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way. What are my options, Pastor? Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's your options. The prayer of Psalms 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Take my houses and my, my land, my possessions, but whatever you do, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. There are three groups of people that need to respond to this invitation. Listen very carefully because this applies to some folks in this room. The first group is that soul that the 
Spirit is convicting to find Jesus today once and for all. The second group is that soul that needs to return to the Lord. You have wandered far from Him and just as sure as you're sitting in this room, you have grieved His conviction over and over and over again. Maybe you've bought into the lies of the culture, even the church culture, but you know deep down in your soul that things aren't right between you and the Lord. The third group of people is those believers that maybe you've got an area you need to yield to the Lord today, an area that you continue to struggle with. I wouldn't grieve away the conviction of the Spirit again. I wouldn't. I don't care what the size of the room is. I don't care how many people are in the room. I don't care if I'm with a family member. I don't care who sees me. But I'm not going to reject his conviction yet again. Today is the day. Today is the day. My God, today is the day I yield to the Holy Spirit. Today is the day I say I cannot do it anymore. I'm heavy laden. I'm miserable. And I need peace. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. They're going to sing quietly and softly. And if you need to come and pray, I'm down here waiting on you. just wish you would yield to him. You take that first step, every step after will get easier. Pray, saints. God's dealing. Book of Joel said there's multitudes in the valley of decision day of the Lord is at hand. I just felt a quickening of the Spirit right then. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is at hand. 
I don't want to miss the rapture of the church. I don't want to be left behind. Holy Spirit, thank you for drawing hearts. Come on, there's others. I don't know who you are. I don't know what kind of baggage you got, but today is your day. I don't know when I've sensed this so strong as I sense it right now. I need Ah! Uh -huh. 